few words to share. We're coming to the end of our readings for Philippians. If you, if you do our daily readings, um, you'll know we've been going through the book of Philippians. It's a letter written by Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, directed to the church in Philippi, but with truths and relevance to the church in Presswick and beyond today. Because God's word and his truths are principles which are eternal, not just for a certain moment of time. And at the end of Paul's letter here, he's thanking them for a financial gift that the church had sent him. It's always good to be thankful for gifts when people give you them. You know, when people give you a gift, the first response should not be, did you keep the receipt? I've been there before. But there should be a sense of thankfulness. No matter whether you like it or not, be thankful that somebody took the time to buy you something. And don't make the face that's going on inside some of the time. Just smile and say thank you. I'm reading from what's been our daily readings from Saturday and Sunday. So if you've not read it today, yeah, you can get off because we're reading it now. How I praise, I'm reading from New Living Translation, Paul's writing. How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I, was first, when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And that same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, our glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. You should be able to say amen to the last bit. Okay? You know, last week... Uh, Jillian preached a message not, not Jillian, Kerry sorry, preached a message this uh, same God which done my head in because I'd already prepared this uh, the same God okay so she will never preach again okay <laughs> same God because Paul finishes this with this same God so my title this week is still the same God okay <laughs> Still the same God. He was the same God last week. He's, a, he's a still, still the same God as he was last week. So how about different? Four lessons to learn from here. Don't go, oh dear, four. It's usually three. Okay. No, not bad. First one, a lesson from the Philippian church is about a concern which stirs us. Paul writes, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. No, I've got a family that I know get concerned about me again and again and again and again and again. But this is a different matter. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, let me say there are things which should concern us. We should live with honest, wholesome concerns in our life. There are big issues like unrighteousness, abuse, poverty, human trafficking, godlessness, 
inequality, etc., big things that we should be concerned about. They should concern us. We shouldn't just have a nothingness or a, a no feelings when we see things that are not right. There's things that should concern us. There are big issues in our world which should concern us. But in this instance, it wasn't a big issue. It was Paul himself. He had a concern for an individual, a brother, someone in their world, someone they could make a difference to. There are big issues. And the reason we're going to come there's not to have a good time. We're concerned about the people of Cumnock next week. But there's people in our world as far as the big issues. And let me encourage you, participate or partner with people like Hope for Justice, Compassion, South Asia Food Bank, CAP, uh, Open Doors. There are big organizations who make a big difference in the world. And if we support them, they, we can help in changing worlds and lives that we can't do on our own. That is good to do that. Let me encourage you to do that. But you know, but there are people in our world that we do know who are going through difficult times, and we should have a concern for them. Paul, we know you. You're a brother, you're a friend, we know you, and we're concerned. We understand and we see the concern that you've got. This week, has anything concerned you this week? What has concerned you? Who has concerned you this week? What have you done about your concern? You know, there's times then we can't do much. All we can do is pray sometimes, and that's good. But there are times when our concern should stir us. The Philippians are concerned which stirred them to action. Paul says, I know you're always concerned for me, but you didn't always have the opportunity to practically show it. But thanks for taking the opportunity when it rose to give me, to show your concern. It was a financial gift. He says, you're always concerned, but there was times when you can do something about your concern, and you did it. Thank you for that. Jesus wasn't just concerned about stuff. It wasn't just concerned about people. Jesus saw concern and he was moved with compassion. Lindsay shared a great devotional with us this morning at our early meeting with the leaders and workers. And again, I thought, don't you steal my preacher again. I'm fed up with people in their shots doing things that I'm going to say. But Jesus wasn't just full of compassion. It was moved with compassion. I, he acted on his concern and his compassion. In Mark 1.41, when he saw somebody with leprosy, he was moved and he healed them. In Matthew 24, he saw people who were blind and he was moved with compassion. In Matthew 9, he saw a funeral procession and he was concerned and he was moved with compassion for the mother grieving over a son and he raised the son up. In Luke 7, he was moved with compassion. He saw, so that was Luke 7, Matthew 9, he saw people harassed and wandered and no hope and no direction in life. And he saw them and he was moved with compassion and taught them. Mark 10, when there's 7,000 people hungry, it was a practical need. He was moved with compassion and he did something about it. Now I know we are not Jesus, but we have Jesus living in us. And we should follow his examples. And let me encourage you, not just to feel concerned, but practice your concern. It doesn't need to be feeding 7,000 people. It could be a phone call. It could be an email message. It could be, can I do something for you? Can I go and get your shopping for you? Can I do this? Can I cut your grass? If anybody wants to cut my grass, they're welcome to come if you're concerned about my grass. Okay. But listen, this people, Paul is thanking them. You're concerned for me. 
thank you wasn't just a head thing, but you practically demonstrated your concern. Let's be people who practically demonstrate concern, that a concern stirs us to action. But then Paul, lesson two from Paul is, there's a contentment that stirs us. Paul appreciated the support, but he reveals to us and then his source of sustenance, his strength, his peace did not depend on what they gave him, but it was what he had. It wasn't an external issues, it was internal issues. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. The Amplified says this, not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. Wow. Let me read that again. Learn, I am not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. I can have a contentment within which stills me. Listen, don't be too hard on yourself if you're not quite there yet. Because Paul says, I have learned. There's been a process of getting there. I have learned to get there. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace I'm leaving with you. My peace I give to you. It's a gift from you. And the world can't take it away. I'm giving you a gift of peace. It's like no matter what's going on in your world, there's a gift of peace and contentment. But Paul had a process. He grew into that place where he realized my strength, my support, my needs, my source, my resource is not through people, but it's through my relationship with Jesus Christ. That does not negate the fact we should help people. We should show content. We should uh, concern. We should practically help people where we can. But for us, it means that we should not be looking to other people for our help. Sometimes, as Christians, we've got a need, and there's an attitude and a mindset, or, or somebody should be helping me. That church should help me, or that people, person should be helping me. And there may be a case from that. But sometimes it just changes a heart and we become heart. And a heart shouldn't be looking to people. It should be looking to the Lord. It should be him. And he will use people if we keep ourselves right. We need to help people. But individually, we need to look to the Lord. Paul says, I'm not looking to people. I appreciate it. And God's used you. But you know, I don't depend on certain people. I depend on the Lord. You know, the psalmist says in 1, 2, 1, verse 1, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's incredible. I'm looking to the mountains. You can put whatever you like to that. I'm looking to that person. I'm looking to that source. I'm looking to that resource. Does my help come from there? No. What is incredible here? I'm looking to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No. Where my help come from is the one who made the mountains. I'm not looking to the mountains. I'm looking to the one who made the mountains as my source and my resource. And for us, we need to get a rise of people and thank God for people. But we need to keep, Lord, I'm in that difficult place. And you know what? I look to you. You're my source. You're my resource. You're the well that never runs dry. You're the God who doesn't go bankrupt. You're the one whose bank account never shuts. You're the one who overflows. You're the one. You're the one who's able. You're the one. And I've got a contentment within me that my source is not running dry in difficult times. I'm still looking to the one who never runs out of resources. 
And Paul gives contrasting examples. Whether I've got next to nothing or I'm affluent, whether my fridge is full, well, this is my paraphrasing, or the cupboard's empty, where I've got thousands of bank or I'm penniless, where I'm surrounded by friends or where I'm Jimmy No Pals. Listen, this is, this is where I'm at. It doesn't matter because my source, my resource, my contentment, my peace comes from him. Listen, we read one of the most famous verses. It's misused in many ways. He says, I can do everything, all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, we misquote that, misuse that quite a lot. What he's basically saying, you know what? I have a strength within me to cope with whatever situation I'm in. Whatever life throws at me, I've got something within me. It means I'm at peace and it doesn't matter. Listen, this is the, the, the Paul who says in 2 Corinthians, I've been in prison, I've been whipped often, I've got lashes, 39 lashes often, three times I've been beaten with rods, once I was stoned, not in that sense, three times I've been shipwrecked, one day I spent a whole day and a night adrift at sea, I've been in dangers from rivers, from robbers, I've been in danger from my own people, from foreigners, I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, in the seas, I've had problems with church people and unchurched people, I've often gone without food, I've shivered in cold weather, I've never when I didn't have enough clothing to heat me. But you know what? I have learned in every situation that I can get through it because I can do through it because Christ strengthens me. I can do it because my resource is not what people give me. It's not what I have in the outside which enables me to live, to strengthen me. It's who I have in the inside. It's not what possessions I have, but it's who possesses me. It's not what possessions I have externally, but it's who possesses me from the inside. And because I have that, I thank you guys, and we need to be helpful, but I don't look to you. I look to the one to whom he's able to supply. I can do everything. He says, it doesn't matter what life throws at me. It doesn't mean to say that you can just stupidly quote that verse and go and do things that you stupidly can't. You can't jump off, jump off a top of a mountain and say, I'm okay, I'll land on my feet and I'll be okay. No, that's what it means. The context, it means it doesn't matter what life throws at me. It doesn't matter what I'm going to throw. You know what? I can cope with this. I can cope with this because I've got something inside me which is going to bring me through and don't try things. I mean, I've heard people saying stupid things that I can do this but through Christ's strength in me. No, get the context right. He's saying, it doesn't matter what life is setting me with. I don't need to fall down. I don't need to collapse. I can get through this because I've got a strength within me. And that gives me a contentment, which stills me no matter what life is throwing me. Oh, third one, lesson from the Philippians. There's a consistency which shapes us. Paul says, I can do it, but notwithstanding. Even so, you've done well. You've done well to share with me in this present difficulty. He says, you were the only church who supported me before. And verse 16 says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. Like that, you sent me help more than once. I.e., you're not doing this as a one-off special offering. There's nothing wrong with them. But you guys are showing a culture of generosity. It's who you are. It's what you do. Your consistency shapes you into what you're being because it's your consistency which shapes you. It's your reputation which gives you your reputation. Your reputation is breeding your reputation. You're, a more, you're not a 
One's church, you're a more than ones.com church. This is who you are, and it's your consistency that makes you who you are, not what you just do in your good days, but what you do in your bad days that makes you what you are. My heart is that new life is more than a once church, but that we're a more than church, that we do it, that we're consistently, that we're repeatedly generous with our finances, with our times, with our encouragement, with our welcoming, that we don't just do it one all, but that we're consistent with it, that we serve Jesus, not just at Presswick Prom, and I thank God for all of you who did serve Presbyterian Palm. I got all the credits from the people because of pastor, but I listen, you guys do a great job and we honor you for that. But I'm th- but I don't want a church which just serves at press prom or press fest or switch on the lights. I want this to be a church which repeatedly serves day in, day out. I want to be a church that doesn't just honor people on their anniversary or their birthdays, but we live with a culture where we honor people every day. I want to look at how we can celebrate not just the big things in life, but when things are tough and little things are celebrated, we celebrate the little things. I want this to be a church which is excellent in all that we do, that we're excellent and do the best we can, not just when people are watching, but when nobody's watching, we continue to have an attitude we'll do do the best we can. I want us to have a church where we praise and worship whether we feel like it or not. I'll praise in the valley. I'll praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure. I'll praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when I'm numbered. I'll praise when I'm surrounded. I'll praise when I feel it and I'll praise when I don't. I want us to people to praise and worship when we feel it, when we don't feel it, when life is good, when life is bad. I want us to have a consistency where our reputation shapes or is shaped by the consistency. And then Lesson four. Last point. Back to Paul. You weren't away for long, but it's good to get you back. Okay. <laughs> <Adios all. laughs> Another lesson, finally. With a confidence which strengthens. The reality was this church was not the richest church on planet Earth. They were rich in spirit, heart, attitude, generosity, but they weren't rich financially. The Passion Translation says this, even though you have so little, you still continue to help me every opportunity. What a heart and attitude that was. Then Paul writes another incredible verse, which is well known. Again, taken out of context often. Verse 18, he says, your gifts are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Get that. I, your heart, your attitude, your generosity of spirit, your sacrificial giving has been noticed and accepted by God. Therefore, because of your heart, because of your attitude, because of how you've done this, because you're trying to honor God and it's good, God accepts it. Therefore, On the back of that, and because of that, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your glorious needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You need to get that. It's not, oh, I can buy myself a new suit and a new fridge freezer and a new car and use all the money I've got, and then say, God, you just promised to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. No, 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 no. It says you honor God. In context, here, it's with your finances. But it could be with your time. It could be with other things as well. 
The context here is not just do whatever you want, live willy-nilly with your relationships, with your time, with people, with resources, with finance, with whatever you like. It's not just living in and then just say, God, you promised to supply all my need according to your riches and glory. I'm claiming that verse. I'm claiming Philippians 4.19, God's supplying all my need. God's going to do this. God doing the next thing. You need to get the context right. Paul says, you're a group of people. You didn't have much money, but your heart is great. Your attitude's great. Your desire is for others. Your desire is to honor God, to bless God. And because you're doing it with the right attitude, because you're given, because you're given to honor God, you're not given to get, you're given to bless, you're given to honor people, you're given to help people. Your heart and your attitude is right because God looks at your heart he looks at your attitude he looks at the how you're doing it and the why you're doing it and because of that on the back of that Paul says I can confidently say because you're doing it right and with the right motive and you're using resources wisely and you're doing what you can with what you've got and you're deciding to honour and put him God on the back of that I can confidently say but because of that God will supply your needs according to his riches and glory it's not that he's just quoting it to any other church it's that church because their attitude and their heart was a generous church. Their heart was outward looking. They were generous in many ways. Though they didn't have much, they were a resourceful church to Paul, but they didn't have much. And it's not as if out of a wealth and out of just giving to get, Paul says, I recognize the sacrifice you're making. I recognize your heart. I recognize that why you're doing it. I see the motive behind you do it. You're doing your best. You're trying to do the best with what you've got. You're honoring God. You're putting him first in all you've got. And because you're putting him first, he says, I can confidently proclaim over you as a church that God's so you're going to supply all of your needs, not just out of context, but please, out of context, is this same God who's enabled me to live in every circumstance, this same God who's provided me with everything that I've had, this same God, if you look at my life, Philippians, look at me and what I went through and how God's blessed me and God's used me in many ways, this same God is your God and the same God who's resourced me is going to resource you. And this morning, we need to put ourselves right. If we honor him in every area, we can confidently claim to God I'm on you, I'm putting you first with money in this context, but in other things, and Lord, I can now call upon you that you, the same God who resourced him, who resourced Paul, will meet all of our need. And this bit, a little bit like Kerry's, uh, it's too good not to copy, put it that way with her. You know, this same God will meet every need. This same God who met every need of Paul's can meet his. This same God who put the world into being, who spoke the world into being. This same God who parted seas to make paths when there are no paths. This same God who healed diseases. This same God who fed thousands with a boy's packed lunch one day. This same God who calmed raging seas. This same God who caused Jericho's walls to crumble. This same God who preserved Sajah, Meshach and Abednego when they're in the fire this same God who shot Daniel a lion's mouth to protect Daniel, this same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead this same God is able to provide everything you need, this same God who took care of Paul is the same God we have today who can take care of you let's stand this same God still this same God Kerry preached some great stuff from it last week. This same God. But let's put things in context. The context to finish that was we're concerned about others. And we're concerned enough to practically help other people. That's where it started. The same God coming into our world. It started with people having a concern to help other people. We need to be concerned for others. This week, 
If you hear of people who are struggling, why don't you do something? Maybe just a text. Maybe just a message. Just something. But do something about concern. Sometimes I know God just puts somebody on your heart. I know they've been there. Just send them a message. Just say hi. Or just do whatever. If you get concern, do something practical for somebody this week. <clears throat> and if you're going through stuff, I pray that the Prince of Peace can bring a contentment to still you. And please hear me. Please stop looking to other people as your resource. Because what happens someday, oh, they bless us in the past, and then we get through and need them and think, oh, they'll do it again. And we look to them. And sometimes they don't. Because before our eyes were in God to supply the need. But then when people, God uses people, we then, you may say we're looking to God, but we're actually, we're looking to God, but we think it's the same people. And something's changed within us, oh, that person will help us. And thank God if they do, I'm not saying they shouldn't. But we have changed because we started looking to God and then we say, yeah, it's God, but it's these people in our life. Keep looking to God, the resource. Paul says, in no matter what I've been through, this God can bring me through. There's some of you going through some stuff. I want to encourage you today. And it's a process. Paul came to the point of learning to be content. I pray that God brings a peace and a contentment within you that stills your heart this month. I know there are people and your, your heart's in turmoil. But this morning, I just speak peace into you. That God can bring a contentment that stills you inside. And I want to declare over you can, you can, you can do this. You're going to come through this. I've learned where I've got a lot, where I've got nothing, Paul says. I can do this through Christ who gives me the strength. And let's be consistent in what we do. Let's not be one-off people. It's been more than once.com. And I want to declare that you can have a confidence that this same God, this same God, is here to supply whatever you need. Father, there are many needs in here this morning. We've already prayed for some of them. But Lord, we declare that this same God is here. Lord, it might be financial, it might be physical, it could be emotional, it could be just relationship-wise, it could be so much. But it doesn't matter what it is, it's the same God. And we look, and we look to our same God this morning. And I pray right now, Father God, that you will supply every need. Whatever that need is, I declare that my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen.